Welcome to the Life of Faith North podcast, where you can access the latest Sermon of the Week and explore our archive of past messages. To access other resources or view live content, please visit us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Life of Faith North. We hope you will find this message encouraging and uplifting as you listen. today. I promise you you're not going to preach today. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm just going to this event. Yeah, you're just, I'm just the leader. I'm going to sit here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You get there and they're like, by the way, Pastor, in 15 minutes, you're going to teach for 20 minutes. And you're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it goes sometimes. So, but it's always a, a privilege and an honor to share God's word with each other. And so I wanted to talk today um, about a story that we all know, but I was, I have been hanging out with some heroes recently in my own life. If you know anything about me, I love prayer. Prayer is a big deal to me. Prayer and learning how to pray in a more intimate and personal way with Jesus has changed my life. And so here recently I've been praying about, Father, what, where are you taking me in this next year about prayer? Because I know there's somewhere that you're trying to lead me to that is deeper than where I have been before. And so he has been telling me, I want you to hang out with some heroes in the Bible. Um, and so I've been spending quite a bit of time with Daniel recently, um, and also with Noah. So those are the heroes I've been spending the most time with. Uh, I'm hoping to hang out with the hero Joshua this week, but we'll see what happens, because I keep going back to Daniel. So I was led to talk about Daniel chapter 6, which is, as you know, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. But since we're learning how to do, how to tell a visual story, can somebody, anybody brave enough to tell me what happened with Daniel? Well, well there, that's a different one. That was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's it. Daniel had a lot of stories. Okay, so how about Daniel and the lion's den? Who can tell me about... He wouldn't, yes, he wouldn't pray and worship a statue of a king, right? So, yes, I'm not, I'm not trying to be picky. This is not hard. Sorry. So this is the king. Ah! <laughs> and, he, and he had a big statue, and we're going to read. And what else happened? And he wanted everybody to come and pray to him. Um, that was a different one. That was... We'll get into that. He wanted, he got a statue because what happened? Dan, let's read a little bit and we're going to keep coming back to this. So we're going to keep drawing the story. I want you to think about it. But tell me, there was a lion's den, right? Rawr. Let's see if I can draw. It looks more like a sun, but. I mean, but he needs to be an angry lion. Rawr. <laughs> so, so, so there was a lion, there was a lion's den, but let's read a little bit, and I want us to look at prayer, and for my young people or anybody, can you tell me what this symbol means? 
Okay, look, if you're on your phone and you're putting something, a download. Right. I was praying about it, and the thing about Daniel that I've been enjoying the most is knocking over all of the, this nativity is dying this year, because we've killed, like, we've broken limbs, I think, the only thing that's surviving so this year, so that's always great. <laughs> but um, Daniel was really good at getting downloads from Father. In prayer, and one way you can say, like, what is prayer? Like, people want to talk about it all the time. Like, what does it mean to pray? What am I doing when I'm praying? All this different stuff. Um, what am I, like, can I, what can I expect when I pray? What's going to happen? Anybody ever ask those questions, or is it just me? Right? Um, prayer, one way you can define prayer is a download. Right? Father, I want to I want to connect with you because I need some answers. I need to download something from you. I need to know what to do. I need to add something if you're using technology terms to my software <laughs> because I'm not seeing something right or I don't quite know what to do. And that is something that Daniel, if you get to read the book of Daniel, um, is really good at doing. Is he was really good at getting downloads. He, he, he knew where to go first. So we're going to start reading. I am reading from the message. Um, if you want to follow along, I'm just going to start in uh, chapter 6 of Daniel in verse 1. And we're going to read and stop and kind of go and work our way through. But I want us to look at the story and then just talk about some different things and talk about prayer and believe it or not, this actually does have something to do with your soul, too. We've been talking about growing strong in your soul, right? Strength of soul. And we've been looking at what that what that means. And so, strength of soul, you know, your soul is, um, for those of you who aren't here, my dad draws a beautiful picture. I'm not going to do it today. But there are seven elements of your soul that we're looking at, right? Who can... Who can tell me some of the seven elements of your soul for those who are not here? Or we can catch them up. Anybody who can have, what's what's part of your soul? Your mind, right? Your will. Sorry, my hand right here. Emotions. Your memories. What else? Memories. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's where habits are. Um, your beliefs. Right? There's your meaning. Maybe that's where habits go. I don't know. And your personality. Right? So we've been talking about all these different elements of the soul. And I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast if you weren't here to kind of catch up on some of that. But this actually does, like, have to do with your soul because your soul is the part of you that has to that has to make the most decisions when you're out in the world, right? <laughs> right? It's your soul that's gathering all these things that are happening to you, and it has to come in line with your spirit and tell your body and your mind and all that what to do, right? We've been talking about that. So let's just read, okay? And we'll get going. It says, Darius reorganized his kingdom. Darius was the king. Anybody watch uh, VeggieTales? I am king. <laughs> reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors 
to administer all the parts of his realm. Over them were three vice regents, one of whom was Daniel. So I'm going to erase and put stuff on the board on and off. So there's a king. Here we go. And it says he was reorganizing. And he has three people that he was picking, right? That were over all of these other people. Right? To run his kingdom. But Daniel, brimming with spirit and intelligence, so completely outclassed the other vice regents and governors that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. So all of a sudden, Daniel's so awesome, he's like, don't need you, don't need you. <laughs> and they was going to put him over all of these people. Um, which, if you read the book of Daniel, happened to Daniel a lot, right? He was picked. Who remembers? Who were Daniel's friends? Daniel had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and a, ben, and a billy goat, or a bendigo. <laughs> and they consistently throughout the book of Daniel were the stars, were chosen. They, they continued to turn to each other. They were picked. Remember, um, they were not from Babylon. They were from Jerusalem and Judah, all that reason, remember? And it, and it says they went into what's called the exile. And so the, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, came and he took the best of all the young people of that time to make them come and integrate the, king, the, the, the people into the kingdom, right? And so the, these four men constantly and consistently throughout were found themselves in charge because God was with them. Right? And we've been talking a lot here recently about influence and about the greatness in every person in our church family and the things we're seeing from each other. And I'll just uh, and, and it's important to know that don't be surprised when you find yourself rising to the top. Right? That's not an unnatural place to find yourself when you're following God. Now notice they didn't put themselves in the top. Who put them there? God. So it's not like you trying to kick down every door and do whatever. But partnership with God, you'll often find yourself in places that you weren't looking for, but you find yourself in. Places of influence. And that's where Daniel found himself. So I'm going to start, again. I think it's verse 4. And it says, The vice regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use against him. But they couldn't dig anything up. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of negligence or misconduct. So they finally gave up and said, we're never going to find anything against Daniel unless we can cook up something religious. I mean, think about that. So why would Daniel end up in the lion's den? Because people were jealous of him. Right? I mean, I, I guess I haven't read this story through since I was a small child. <laughs> and I haven't watched Tales recently. 
And I was just <laughs> struck by, oh, wow, like, you know, you can be so free. We've been talking about what it means to be free from your sin, from your past, from its influences. And we've been talking about what it means to be so focused on where you're headed, that who you used to be doesn't matter anymore. Right? And I was just struck by, you know, you can be so free from your past and, all, and the stuff that all your hang-ups that nobody can find anything against you. That you can just be so focused on what you're asked to do that who you used to be, you don't even remember who that person was anymore. Right? Because that person is actually dead, right? It says when, when we come to Christ, who we used to be died. It doesn't exist anymore. And so you can become such a person that nobody can find anything against you. Oh, wow, they're just a really stand-up person. They're just really good at what they're doing. They just seem to be really gifted. There seems to be something about them, right? And so that's why Daniel constantly found himself, just by being obedient to God. And, and it says, and, and the other people realize, well, all we know about Daniel is he's really consistent in his faith. So if we're going to get him into any kind of trouble, we're going to have to we're going to have to put him to the test in his faith to see what he'll do. Right? I mean, guys, I, we don't live in a in a in a place. Um, maybe we're getting there more and more. I don't know. I don't like to speak ill about stuff like that because it's like I don't understand. I don't. I'm, I don't study the end times for a reason. Like, I mean, I know it's coming, but like, I don't want to fall into that because there's stuff to pay attention to. But we are living in times where you have to pay attention that people are very, very sensitive in the world we live in today, right? They're very, very offended very easily, right? And things that are used, I mean, there are things that are going on now that um, you have to recognize that the stuff that maybe 15, even 15 years ago when I was in college and and starting life and doing crazy things before I was even really following God, like, people were, like, that would never have been a big deal today. It's like, oh, that seems like it's a pretty big deal to some people, right? People were, I mean, what's the word people want to use? I mean, you hear it all the time. You hear words like, um, and I'm not making fun of trauma, but everybody, like, you need to be careful because of trauma, right? You don't want to trigger someone. What are your trauma triggers? And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm just saying that I've noticed that everybody has a trigger now. So now it's almost like you feel like you're walking around and you're like, I'm afraid to say anything to anybody about anything. Because <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings. Or you'll never, or I have friends that you'll, I, I mean, they won't talk, people won't talk to you anymore. How about this? We're coming into 2024. Elections. Oh, Jesus, help us all. <laughs> I remember the last election. I lost friends. And I didn't even say anything bad. But if you don't agree with me, I can't even talk to you. Did anybody lose friends the last election? Or was it just me? <laughs> because all of a sudden, like, you can't even have a civilized conversation anymore. Right? Because if you disagree, it's not just, it's like, it, it went from like, I disagree with your point to, um, I'm disagreeing with you personally. 
Does that make sense? Everything's become so personal in our world today. And I guess maybe that's what I mean. I'm not against, people have trauma, things happen. Look, I've had stuff happen. We've all had stuff happen. But if I get so sensitive that nobody can ever talk to me, well, then you need to work on yourself <laughs> to get out in the world. And in the world we live in today, you just have to be, it's something I'm paying attention to, but imagine this, like even with your faith, um, people get really offended if they don't agree completely with you about the Bible. Right? Now, I'm not, now we can all be, look, we can all be nice people. I think everybody can be a nicer person. That is my personal belief, even me. Hey, I can always be a nicer, kinder, more compassionate person. I know sometimes I'm like a two-by-four with a piece of velvet wrapped around it. I know. I have to work on myself. I know who I am. <laughs> but you have to. I have to know. Like, I can always be nicer, kinder, whatever. But at some point, I have to tell you the truth. And you have to have a belief that's worth standing on. Right? That's part of being strong in your soul. <laughs> Right? Something has to be worth standing on. Now make sure it's something that's actually not a secondary issue of the Bible. <laughs> but there are things you have to be grounded in. And that's where Daniel, they're like, hey, if we're going to trip up Daniel, we're going to catch him in his faith. Because we're going we're gonna to get him into something where we know he won't be able to, to compromise himself. And that's where we'll get them. You see that? It's a trap. Remember in Star Wars? It's a trap. <laughs> so that's what they're doing. They were, they were trapping him to end up here, right? So let's keep reading. The vice regents and governors conspired together and then went to the king and said, King Darius, live forever. We've convened your vice regents, governors, and all your leading officials and have agreed that the king should issue the following decree. Now, I noticed here, I did, that it, as far as I know, Daniel wasn't invited to this meeting. <laughs> and he was, in, he was the one in charge of everybody. We've had a meeting without the leader, and we've decided the following. For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any god or mortal except you, O king. Anyone who disobeys will be thrown into the lion's den. Issue this decree, O king, and make it unconditional, as if it's written in stone like all the laws of the Medes and the Persians. And King Darius signed the decree. Now, y'all, have y'all read the book of Esther or watched that movie like One Night with, with the King? Right? Or, the, you know, back then when a king wrote a law, it, would, it, it, it couldn't be revoked. It was like carving it into stone or something. Like, this is the law forever. And so that was the expectation of laws. And so even like Esther, you remember? If, if you come in and the scepter isn't extended and whatever, that was a law and they wrote that decree. They were going to kill the Jews and do all the different stuff they were going to do. And then so when Esther went to him, he says, well, I don't know what to do. I've made this a law. Does that make sense? And so she says, well, can we at least defend ourselves? <laughs> and if you kind of read, that's where you get the, the um, Jewish festival of Purim, 
where they defended themselves. Why? They had to do that because there was a law that couldn't be revoked, but at least they were allowed to rise up and protect themselves. It's the same thing here. They're saying this law is going gonna, is gonna to be like for the next 30 days. They only wanted 30 days, praise God. So that was a very short time, but like this is going to be the irrevocable law for this next time period. All right? So we're going to start in verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been signed and posted, he continued to pray just as he always done. And that's the part where when I, I, when I was thinking about prayer, about getting downloads, about your soul, what would you do? And I was, I've been asking myself that question. Something happens, something happens, right? You're faced with a situation and it's like, if you keep doing this, we're going to do whatever to you. I don't know. Uh, make, you, make your mother-in-law move in forever or something. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. And what are you going to do? What's your soul, what's your response going to be? Well, his was, I'm just going to keep praying. Because I know I need a download. And as, and, as, and as you read the book of Daniel, over and over and over, things happen. Daniel prays. He knows what to do. And so in the face of an opportunity to make a decision and to respond out of fear or whatever to just bow down to what's being said, he just continued to do what he knew to do. Right? And that's, I mean, talk about an uncompromising prayer life. That takes a lot of strength of soul. And look, he didn't pray, um, get this, he didn't pray in private. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened towards Jerusalem in the capital. So he lives in the heart of the city. He has big windows that face the city, right? And three times a day, he knelt there in prayer, thanking and praising his God. So he said, hey, he continued. He opened the windows, and he kept praying. I think he, I mean, I think that's very strategic if you think about it, because he's leading the city <laughs> that you're looking at the thing you're praying for, and you just continue to pray. That's incredible. Talk about some strategy in your prayer, about getting into a place where you're being very focused in your prayer life. Yeah. 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 So what do we learn? Yeah, it's great. And that's what I kept thinking about. What would I do? Don't pray anymore. Sorry, you can't pray for anybody anymore. And, and guys, I mean, if you, I'm, I'm have some opportunities coming up. Now, look, I know that there is thing about safety, and you have to look at where you're living. And I, I'm having some really cool opportunities come up that I could get to go to some parts of the world where it's not very safe to be a follower of Christ. But you still have to. But you know what? The gospel is growing in those areas. I can't be quiet about this. But I'm going to have to make some decisions. Right? So we see that Daniel, he prayed, okay, I want to say this, he prayed first. Right? 
How many, I mean, I wish Tabitha was in here. I guess we'll pick on her because we have her family here. That Tabitha's one that's like, that her dad always said, did you pray? <laughs> <laughs> all the time, did you pray? <laughs> and, and, you know, I think about her dad all the time because, honestly, for a long time, I didn't pray first. Anybody been there? And here in the last year, I'm like, if I'm not praying, like, I don't know. My first thing is, like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to start praying about it. Because yeah. I need a download. Right? He, Daniel, he prayed consistently, what, three times a day? Wow. Three set times a day. He prayed strategically. <laughs> right? He thought about it. He's not just, I mean, well, we can pray all the time, but something I'm learning is that there is something about being praying first praying consistently and having being strategic in how you're praying. You're not just lobbing up prayers, whatever. I mean, I'm talking to God all the time. But there is something about having focused, strategic prayer time. Openly. Like I said, praying for other people, like my testimony time. I'm very strategic about praying for people in the open because I want them to see God move. And I ask follow-up questions like, hey, like, how are you feeling now? If, I pray, if you're sick and I'm praying for you, the first thing I'm going to say is, hey, like, how are you feeling? You feel any difference in your body? We need to pray again. Why? Because I want people to be able to see that God hears, listens, and moves on their behalf. Because it's his love that moves them. And that's moving on their behalf. But I had, I'm really having to learn this because there are times I'm going to have an opportunity here at the end of this month to go hang out with at a New Age festival where I'm going to get to share the gospel in a very different way than I've ever shared it before with people who were seeking God, but if I told them I was a believer, would never speak to me. Right? So I'm, I'm having to get really strategic in how I'm praying about this opportunity. Father, what words? Or how do I need to start conversations? What do I need to do? Please show me. Help me take the things I've learned practically from my training and go into this. And help be listening to the Holy Spirit about what to do. And that's true for all of us. All of us were coming. Yes, last year was a year for prayer. Yes. But every year is a year for prayer. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to stop is what I'm saying. So we're going to grow even as we get stronger and stronger in our souls. We're going to grow more in prayer. Because I'm starting to realize that sometimes, not sometimes, I'm going to say all the time for me, when I feel the weakest in my soul, I need to pray the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was a Jew from the beginning. And he was a Jew that followed God consistently. So if you read Daniel, it starts with the captives of that region going off in exile and being chosen to serve the king. And he even started and said, um, hey, I don't want to eat all of this wine and red meat and stuff. I want to eat vegetables and water. Anybody have friends that are doing a Daniel fast or somebody that, that's doing 21 days of prayer or something at the beginning of the year? Daniel fast. We're following Daniel. I'm going to eat bread. I'm going to fast. I'm going to eat very clean <laughs> vegetables, water, stuff like that. I'm going to pray consistently. Right? 
And so he told this, the king's guards that were preparing him to go before the king, give us a test, give us ten days. And if we don't look better and perform better than everybody else, we'll eat just like everyone else. Ten days later, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego outperformed everybody. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he did. And he did that. So he did it there in Daniel 1, right? They got picked. They're chosen as leaders. But then consistently, you see, like Daniel and them, they were put over. Um, kings of that day had, like, um, mystics, dream interpreters, things like that you read about in the Old Testament, right? To help. I had a dream. Tell me what it means, right? They had those people. Well, Daniel and them were considered because people thought, they didn't understand about who God was and whatever. They thought, oh, well, he, he's really good at this dream interpretation thing. He'll be over all of the whoever's on this. So the king has a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar, a different king, has a dream that really disturbed him. And so he wanted his dream interpreters and all these mystics to, to pray, like to tell him what it meant. But he wanted them to tell him the dream first. I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You're going to tell me my dream and what it means. And they, all the other guys said, well, we can't. Nobody can do what you're asking us to do. And so then the king goes, well, that's, and this is how fickle kings were. Well, I'm just going to kill all of you. <laughs> we'll start over. You're just going to die. And Daniel hears about it and he goes and says, hey, give me like a night and sleep on it. I'll have your answer tomorrow. So in the nighttime, God visits Daniel and tells him the king's dream and the interpretation. He got a download. So over and over, you're not concerned. He had the habit. He had these four things in his soul, the strength of soul. But he had that to look back on to say, I know when I need an answer where to go. And I find the answer in prayer. And look, that's the, I mean, and guys, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all this, I'm getting somewhere with this. I know we're kind of telling the story of Daniel, but we're hanging out. But we can expect in prayer to get tangible solutions to earthly problems. I've read a book recently about dreams. And so many inventions, like the sewing machine, the man was trying to figure out how to do it. He had a dream about how to make the sewing machine. People in the tech industry have dreams about how to fix problems. The guy who made diabetes medicine had a dream. And those are very tangible things. I've heard a story about a minister. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Chris Ballatin. He ran a um, car shop for many years. He repaired cars and he got a car that he could not fix. <laughs> And he worked, and he worked, and the guy called him and was like, I need this car tomorrow. And it was a really big contract. So he fixed all of these cars. And so he was a new believer, but he was like, well, I mean, I've never thought to ask God, but maybe the Holy Spirit knows how to fix this car. <laughs> and so he asked the Holy Spirit, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit said, go look under the fender, and there's a little sensor that you need to change. 
He'd been working on this car for six weeks, tore the whole thing apart, put it back together, could not figure out what was wrong. And the Holy Spirit showed him. Right? But how about this in your job life? Are you not knowing what to do in your job? What strategies do we take? Who do we talk to? What connections do I need? He did all of that in prayer. You can, I, there's nothing wrong with learning, going to school, doing all the different stuff. I'm not saying that there are not other avenues you can pursue. Because sometimes you'll pray and God says, well, go read that book and I'll, it'll help you. He's done that for me. Go read this book, it'll help you. Go study this. Go pursue that. But I, I go, we go first in prayer. And that's a strength of soul. When you have questions that touch what's going on in this world, we need to go to prayer first and connect to heaven, right? Get heaven's solutions for things. Even in the face of, I don't know what to do. And anybody ever had a solution screaming, in, like someone, a problem screaming in your face? Maybe it's a lion. <laughs> right. It's out of your hands. I don't know what to do. It, it won't leave me alone. But I know I need to pray. I know I need to stay strong. I know I need to focus and like not be afraid of what I'm seeing, even though it's not adding up to what I know from the things of heaven. That's a, that is a strength of soul that I'm learning how to get to in prayer. Guys, this, I've had a, a really awesome opportunity this weekend to have my soul tested. Anybody else, now that we're talking about strength of soul, anybody else finding themselves having your soul scream at you recently? Or is it just me? <laughs> right? Because now all of a sudden we're, we're learning things. And I feel like the other day I like stepped on a rake, so to speak. Anybody ever stepped on a rake? I hope it never happens to you. <laughs> and like in my soul. <laughs> And something got bumped. A, a, an old button I thought was gone got bumped. And I just started spiraling out of control with my thoughts and my thinking. And I'm thinking about all this stuff in my soul. Like, I should be strong. I should be this. Well, I'm, I'm flooded with emotions and all this different stuff. And I'm like, what in the world? And this is a small little thing. It's not even a big deal. But I had to go deep in this morning. I woke up and the Lord was like, are you, re- are you done with that hissy fit? Are you ready to work on it? Are you, are you ready to stop jumping up and down because something happened? Are you ready to stand still and let me just move? And not? And I'm like, yes, sir, I am, because I don't want to do this anymore. But I, this weekend, I've had to really push through. And, yeah. And so I'm, I keep thinking about it. What would a, and I've been asking myself all weekend, what would, a, what, would I, what would it be like if I was strong in soul in this area? And I'm trying to think about it. Yeah. And so I've gone to prayer quite a few times this weekend. Now, a few times, just to be honest, I was going to the Lord to whine a little bit, but at least I whined to Him. <laughs> so... But all of us, yeah, I mean, it, getting strong in the face of things, and, and this and this is a small thing. I mean, imagine your life is on the line. Yeah. But let's keep reading. I want us to go. We're going to wrap up here in a minute. When Daniel learned, so he, he learned, he prayed like he always did. I'm in verse 11. The conspirators came and found him praying, asking God for help. 
they went straight to the king and reminded him of the royal decree that he had signed. Did you not, they said, sign a decree forbidding anyone to pray to any god or man for the next 30 days? And anyone caught doing it would be thrown into the lion's den. Absolutely, said the king, written in stone, like all the laws. Then they said, Daniel, one of the Jewish exiles, ignores you, O king, and defies your decree. Three times a day he prayed. So they've been watching him. At this the king, listen, the king wasn't even mad about the decree. It was what it says. The king was very upset and tried his best to get Daniel out of the fix they put him in. Because the king realized he'd walked right into a trap. And now his best guy is being set up because he, the king, walked into a trap. But imagine if somebody told you, I'm going to build a statue. I mean, I, I was thinking about this this weekend. I'm going to build a statue of you. <laughs> and that's who we're going to worship and do whatever. That leaves that pull on your, your pride, doesn't it? You're a king, yeah. You should pray to me. <laughs> How many times have we been facing, you know, I had a boss that's ego could have flooded in and make you face rain one time. <laughs> and he constantly, constantly was a challenging person because everything was a challenge to his ego. Right? Anybody ever worked for somebody like that? Or was it just me? <laughs> and so it put me in some situations where I had to, to really bite my tongue, pray quite a bit, realize this man was not a Christian, but he was full of pride in his ego. I, hey, I've been full of myself. You're a missionary, and look, missionaries can got to be careful when you go overseas because you're you're highly people highly look to you, and you're thinking, wow. And I remember I spent most of my time in Kenya wondering, either just think about like who me, but then other times you're like, oh, well maybe I mean maybe I am pretty cool. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you shouldn't think about yourself. What I'm saying is I had to be careful because. I could have walked right into a trap and thought too highly of myself. And how many people know of horror stories about pastors and missionaries falling into a trap of their own pride, right? And coming off the mission field and ruining people's lives. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I just need to pay attention, right? But that's what happened to the king. And then the king realized his best, most faithful guy was about to be thrown into the lion's den. And so what happened, we'll, we'll convince that we all know, right? They threw him in because they came back. But the people who were testing him came back. Hey, remember, you said. And so he said, you're right. Go arrest Daniel and throw him in there. So they threw Daniel in there. They rolled a stone over it, sealed the thing up so nobody could touch it. I mean, imagine, like, sign still delivered kind of thing. Like you're in there. Nobody can help you but God. Right? Because I didn't want anybody to rescue him. But the king told him, I love this, the king said, your God to whom you are so loyal is going to get you out of this. <laughs> can you imagine that? The unbelieving king was so upset but he knew who Daniel was, and he noticed something about Daniel. He knew that Daniel was a praying guy. He knew that Daniel was a faithful guy. 
that would not move from where he was standing, right? And so he's, and the guy was, the king was despondent, so upset. And he called him and said, but don't worry, Daniel, your God is going to get you out of this. Even though I have to seal you in here by yourself, I have to do what I said I would do because I fell into this trap. And it says, then the king went home and he prayed and fasted all night. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Now all of a sudden the king, who was so, who was so determined that everybody got fallen into a trap of pride, everybody's going to worship him, is spending all night praying on behalf of Daniel. And then the next day, the king himself went and said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you so serve so loyally, saved you from the lions? And Daniel cried out, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel who closed the mouth of the lions so that they would not hurt me. I've been found innocent before God and also before you. O king, I've done nothing to harm you. When the king heard these words, he was happy. He ordered Daniel taken up out of the den. When he was hauled up, there wasn't a scratch on him. He had trusted God. The fall didn't hurt nothing. Not, not a scratch on a broken bone. Yeah. I've always heard it said that he slept on the lines like they were his pillow. That's a picture I love. And that shows me, I was thinking about it, like, you know, if I can get into a place, there is a place. Because remember, as I talk about this with Scripture, I've, I've been changed in how I read the Word of God now. Something happened to me about a year ago. And it started at our prayer weekend that's coming up. When I really started getting serious about prayer. But also about how I was reading the Word of God. When we started, the, if you've been with us on Tuesdays, the ABC Bible study where we look at the scripture and we say, what does it say about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and what does it say about me? And something happened to me. When I was young, I was taught that you read the Bible so that you can see how bad you are. Anybody else taught that? And so I've spent most of my life to a certain point, even in Bible school, reading the Bible because I needed to see how bad I was so I could fix it so God would like me. Anybody can follow me so far? Now look, God does correct you as his children. I'm not saying that there is no correction, but God is a father. A father lovingly corrects his children. Right? So if you need to be corrected, it will be in a loving way. God does not send sickness on you. I had a friend of mine had a situation happen, and his parents said, this happened to you because you did X, Y, Z that we consider bad, so God is punishing you. And I'm like, well, that's helpful. To who? Nobody. Because when that kid felt bad, something else happened. It was like, wow, what a bad picture of our father. Because that is not how God would have corrected you. So what happened to me? I started reading the Bible, and all of a sudden, when I started thinking about what is the scripture saying about me, instead of thinking, I can't measure up to the scripture, I started thinking it was God saying to me, this is what you can be. Everything in Scripture is what's possible for you. So if God says a lion is my pillow, 
when I'm faced with a situation that I didn't put myself in. But I can trust in him and he will provide a way of escape. Then that's for me. As a missionary, that brings me a lot of comfort. (laughs) As anybody, it should bring you a lot of comfort. But I've lived in places where I've thought, like, well, this could go really good or really bad. We're about to find out. (laughs) And so learning how to shift my thinking in Scripture to this is what God says is possible for me to do. This is for me. I can do it. Has changed everything for me. I actually read Scripture and I'm filled with hope and not dread. And I think that's a strength of soul. Just like going to prayer consistently and trusting that God is who He says He is. That if I pray and ask, what does it say in 1 John 5, 14 and 15? If we pray according to His will, He will do it. So I expect things to happen when I pray now. It shouldn't surprise us that Daniel was saved from the lion's den. Right? And that's something I was thinking about. That's why I was sharing as I, as during testimony time, and I, and I want to encourage us, and this is how we're going to end, what would it look like to be filled with faith as you pray, believing that God is who He says He is and you can trust Him? But you, yeah, you would get downloads, right? You'd be strong in your soul. Learning how to pray first, consistently, and strategically. How would that change your life? And to expect that God is going to do what he said he would do. And I want to leave us with this. Um, I'm not like a big acronym person. I did grow up Baptist, but like I thought the acronyms were always cheesy. <laughs> but I did, I was praying the other day um, on the way to church. And on Thursdays we have times of prayer. And I was reminded of that verse, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And I realized that that ask, how do we pray when we're asking to pray? It actually fills in that verse. What are we asking for? For whatever. It can be, you know, direction, for your family, for healing, whatever. You can fill it in there. You're asking, right? What are you seeking? We're seeking solutions, right? We're seeking guidance. We're seeking, how about this? This is where I was saying connection. We're seeking wisdom. You see that? Tangible things, right? For the purpose of what? Acting on the answer. Right? Knocking is what? Obedience. So I'll use Sam as an example if I can pick on Sam. So Sam's at work and he's looking at a situation and he's asking some questions. Hey, I need to know what to do. Father, I need... And the father goes, oh great, I want you to go talk to so-and-so. And I do feel like this is for you. I don't know why I'm picking on you, but it's also like a word for you. Okay, I, I want you to talk to so-and-so. They're going to help you. Now, if Sam only did this, that would be great. Great, great. And he never knocked. 
hi so-and-so, this is Sam. <laughs> what was the point? Right? Obedience. Father, I asked you for something. You've shown me what to do. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through with what you're showing me. That's been something that where I'm getting to more and more in myself. The follow through of asking should lead you full circle to obedience. Right? But I just want, I hope we're, we leave here encouraged today. I'm just, I really love talking about prayer. And I really, I really am, believe this is a year where we're going to pray knowing fully who God is in an area and seeing things happen. Tangible things. I know I keep saying that, but there is a bridge. That Jesus prayed, right? He said, the disciples asked him, how do I pray? On earth as it is in heaven. And so part of us praying is us reaching into heaven to bring solutions to earth. (laughs) And that's an expectation we have. It's not just something not, I mean, I know we live in a world of woohoo, and know people get weird, and you know, but like, no, this is an expectation. Just like Lynette was saying, if, if I give, Father, you say you're going to take care of me. You've already blessed me, so I give, so I'm okay. The same way you can ask and expect what you ask for to come to pass. But what would it look like to change? I call it your expector, and when I when I think about it on myself. I think about a little antenna on my head <laughs> that I'm always expecting. So just something to think about this week. What would it look like if I prayed as if I knew who God was and that he's going to do what I'm asking him to do? And just like Daniel, when you're facing a situation and you have a choice to make in your soul, what are you going to do first? Amen. Any questions? Well, let's pray. Father, you are just awesome. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for everything you are doing in our lives and in our church family. Father, I thank you that this is a year for answered prayer. This is a year of greater expectation. Um, and just even greater revelation of our union with you, Father. We thank you so much for this time we've had together. And we just um, give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Life of Faith North podcast. If you would like to partner with us by giving, please visit our Cash App page. This can be found at cash.app forward slash dollar sign LOF North. We hope this message was encouraging to you today. Thanks again for listening, and have a blessed day.